from Byron, Mississippi. It's Lakeshore Church. And now we join Pastor Jay Frazier for today's message. I love my sermon title today. Why has America become so asinine? And my people who bear my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways. Then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. And then in, in Psalm 53, 1 and 2, we see this passage. It says this, The fool says in his heart there's no God. They are corrupt and they do vile deeds. There's no one who does good. God looks down from heaven on the human race to see if there is one who is wise and one who seeks God. And then in Psalm 9, verse 17, a very familiar verse that we often quote, it says, the wicked will return to Sheol, and that's another word for hell, and all the nations that forget God. If you remember in times past, I said you can't forget what you've never known. And there's a select group of countries in the history of the world that have actually known the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is not for all, it's just for a few, because it fits there. And then last, but certainly not least, is Proverbs 1, 7, and I'll say this again, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. May God add his blessings to his word. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord. Simply, God, today, my words to be yours. That's our desire. Thoughts lead us in the right direction. Most of all, all of us would walk in obedience. God, if there's ever been a day for the child of God to walk in obedience, it's today. So that as we walk in the, in the light, other people who need the light will see it in our life and be exposed to you. And God, would be careful to give you the praise and the glory for we ask it and pray it in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. First, I want to deal with the word asinine. <laughs> Several years ago, I was a dear, dear lady in, in, in my history, and, and I hope she's not watching today. I hope she never sees this sermon. Or if she watches it, she knows I'm, and she don't remember that she said this, I hope. But the story was told to me that she was having a conversation with somebody, and they didn't agree with her. They said, well, that's just asinine. And she said, I'd appreciate it if you wouldn't talk like that when you're around me. Most of y'all didn't get that. <clears throat> asinine's not a byword or a cuss word, but here's what the dictionary says asinine means. It means extremely stupid or foolish. And I believe we're living in a day and age where America has become extremely stupid and foolish. When I look around, common sense has turned into confusion. Just stuff that's common sense. I tell you, there's a lot of stuff that you can just, in two minutes, you can know what we need to do if you just think of it. Don't get caught up in all of it, but just common sense. Patriotism has turned into political correctness. Because of acceptance that you got to accept everything and anything, there are no exceptions. <laughs> the concepts of love and freedom and, and equity are so far removed from reality today. I will go to my grave as long as that takes to tell people that everything in our life has parameters to it. It says in the scripture that he that the sun sets free is free indeed, but if you think you're free in Jesus Christ to go do whatever you want to, then you have totally misunderstood what a relationship with Jesus Christ means. But we're still free because he forgives us of our sins and he changes our life. Today there are no lines and perimeters, or parameters, and, and it seems like there's no place that somebody says that's not right. There's not, one, there's not one public place now where somebody can stand up and say, you know what, that's not right. It's not right. If, if, if that no longer exists, 
It's amazing how anybody and everybody can believe anything, but if anybody objects to it, no, there's no place for that anymore. It's all got to be accepted. It seems like there's devastation on every level in society today. Listen to this one. And the leadership of our country to see seems to be at an all-time low. I would have thought COVID would have brought us together, but it didn't. It further divided us politically. <laughs> I would have thought other things. When tragedy goes on, you think we could come together for the moral good of something, but we can't even do that anymore. Hmm. It's, it's, it's really sad. And is there any hope for understanding? Is there any hope that we can understand what we need to do? Today, I truly desire to keep it simple. Some of you might say your preaching is very simple. That's okay, too. Because when on the low shelf, everybody hopefully can get it. But today, in this simplicity, I, I just want you to get the, the, the points today will be real simple, though we'll get in, into a lot with each one of them. But I want to share with you three things today that I think need to be understood, at least need to be put out there on the table for us to give thought to, and, and it's this, just simple things. Um, first, I want to talk about, when I think about why things are going on the way they are in America and why America is so asinine today and, and so foolish and stupid is, is first the life. I don't know if you know this, but the next January 22nd of 2023 will be the 50th anniversary, sadly to tell you, of Roe v. Wade. Oh, preacher, I knew you was going to bring up abortion. People who get offended by abortion, to me, need to go do some homework. Because in reality, God provided a safe place for someone, and if that place is not safe, then you think the streets are going to be safe? Hmm. That God would, God would surround a baby with a bigger, larger human being to take care of them and go the right places and eat the right food and get the right rest. That place is not safe. Do we really think schools are going to be safe? Do we think public places are going to be safe? I just say this to, to remind you. We want to talk about rights, but I often think about what about the baby? I hear a lot of people say that, and you say, oh, that's so flippant. I've heard that so many times. Brother Jay, bring us something new, but maybe we need to go back to some old. If it's women's rights, what about the baby? Do I think in time, and I blow you away, say I've been involved in people that their life was threatened by carrying a baby. And I can tell you some unbelievable stories as a pastor that I've been there, and people have asked my advice, and I've been in some thick places. That is not what we're talking about here. We're talking about convenience in my world and the, what's being portrayed today. Listen to me very carefully. Life is cheap. Life is as cheap today, I think, as it's ever been in American history. It can't help but be. When I think of those, I did a little research and found out this, and I uh, just want to share it with you. Just our states, what do the states play? Right now, even on a conservative and liberal basis, I want to talk about give it to the states, give it to the states. Let me tell you, <laughs> let me tell you what, it's not much better than the states. Here's what the states believe. There are two states in our union, in the, in the United States, that abortions can occur from the time of conception to six weeks. There are 16, including Mississippi, that abortions can take place up between 20 and 22 weeks. There are 26 states that will perform an abortion from 24 weeks to viability, meaning the baby could survive if it was born. And there's seven states in our union that have no limitations whatsoever on how old the fetus is for an abortion to occur. I said this, to, I told you that one to tell you this, but I did a little math and, and it hit me that two-thirds of the states in the United States of America, it is okay to have a third trimester abortion. Why do I share that with you is I, I remember, Suzanne could tell you, the family, we, I was involved in, I went and spent two or three days with them when a baby was delivered before term, 
right at 24 weeks of age, or, or carrying 24 weeks, I should say. She was born, and that young lady's about Zane's age right now, had adult life, going on with life. And uh, I'll tell people, yes, 73 was something, and 1973 was one thing. There's a lot of technology. There's a lot of things that have occurred. We know a lot more today than we knew then. And I said it up on this pulpit a few months ago, and I'll stand on it again. The greatest atrocities in the history of America, I'll tell two of them, is abortion and slavery. I don't think it's right for somebody to own someone else. I don't own Suzanne. She might think she owns me, but she doesn't. I don't think it's right to own another human being, but I also don't think it's right for God to create a safe place for a baby. And man thinks it's okay to abort that life. And let me tell you this, just so that if there's someone in the room, and I'm sure there is because of numbers this morning, I'm sure watching on Facebook, I don't say this to cause anybody any heartache. God's allowed me a great privilege to come alongside women before in past years and see God use me a little bit, but God's used a lot of different ways just to heal them. And I want to tell you today, if that's occurred, God is the God of forgiveness and God will redeem And God can make it right as much as possible within your own life, but I think it starts with realizing what we've done. And there is no forgiveness unless we realize what we've done wrong. And see, we need to understand that as a world. I believe with everything about me, it's an atrocity. And I believe when it comes down to what we're dealing with today is in life. Another thing that comes to mind with me is that so often, God created a safe place when it becomes unsafe. Hmm, Think about this. When the safe place becomes unsafe, unsafe streets won't be either. Also in today's society, when it comes to this life, we're trying to extract morals out of immorality. John Adams, our second president of the United States, says our Constitution was made only for for a moral and religious people. Research, Research says people in America, even church, are getting further and further away from morals. Been marrying people now, doing officiating weddings for 35 years. That's hard to believe. 35 years. I've been I've been in some doozy weddings. I've only given one daughter away, but I've been in some doozy weddings. But premarital stuff and even people that have marital issues afterwards, they come to see me. I use this many, many times, hundreds of times, had this conversation when I asked the question, what is a moral? What is a moral anyway? We're talking about morals today. It's a hard word to define, by the way. But this is how it's defined. There's two parts of it. A moral is belief in something, but it's also a behavior that goes with belief. There are people that say, oh, I believe in this, but their behavior doesn't say they do. A moral is both not only on the inside that it's a belief system, but it also comes out in a behavior system in our life. And listen, if the first life that was taken by another was the first generation, we need to understand that morals matter and dealing with sin in our life matters. Let me tell you this, folks. We're all sitting down, including myself. Guns don't kill people. Hmm. See, politics gets all involved in things, and we get really mixed up and messed up. Do I believe there should be some regulations? Yeah, we ought to keep the bad folks from having the bad stuff in their hands. Hello? That's not, bright. That's not, that's not rocket science, you know? Let me give you an example. Drunk drivers kill people. There's extensions of our church of people that have died because a drunk driver went across the center line and killed somebody. Drunk drivers kill people. I've dealt with some heartaches through the years in that regard, but I've not seen one legislator get up and say we ought to take cars away from everybody because somebody misuses a car. Hadn't thought about that, have you? Mm. 
Do I think there's some regulations and things you can do? Yes. I would love for our country to come together and make some common sense decisions to keep the things out of the people's hands that don't need it in their hands. Hello? And we're so scared we're going to lose something. Not if we come together in common sense. But I'll tell you this, my, I have insurance. I do. My insurance company is called Smith & Wesson. I got one. And God helped me never to have to use it. But if somebody thinks they're coming in my house and they're going to hurt the people that I love, it's going to be a sad day. And I hope I never have to. It will be with trembling hand. And see, but to think about all of us giving up all of our liberties, and there's a reason the founders put it in there, because they knew safety and protection are major issues in our society, and they still are today. But you don't take it away from all the abiding ones because of the few that don't want to abide by it. I said it. But we get confused because all of a sudden politics gets involved in it and we start going down a road, a policy that fits what we believe, what, where we want it to go instead of just common sense. Wow. Think about it. So life. Then I've got another one for you. It's a real deep word. It's called the love. If that didn't get me in enough trouble, here we go. It's not a social issue or a government issue. It's really a moral issue of love that comes down to individuals. See, it's the person, not politics. When I think about love, there are many issues that arrive, that arise, several matters that are before us. First, I want to tell you that we've been on a crash course to a dead-end road in this deal of deteriorating and redefining the family unit. We're trying to be an all-inclusive, but I want to come back and remind you that it's a Genesis issue. I found this, and it's going to be off the beaten path a little bit. Nobody amen it at the first service. They probably didn't even know what I was talking about. But I found this. I want to share it with you. In 1850, which seems like a long time ago, and it is, 70, listen, 75% of Americans that were older than 65 live with their relatives. Huh. 1990, 30 years ago, it was down to 18%. See, even in that regard, the family unit has is, is been evolving. You know, yeah, we got nursing homes. I'll tell you this. If you can't take care of them, that's where they ought to be so somebody can. And pick a good one because I've been in some bad ones. I think we're pretty well represented here in the Byram area and Clinton and other places. But let me tell you this. It shouldn't be just rid of. Sometimes the family unit, we want to be rid of somebody instead of extending the grace and love that we're supposed to. I think when you make those decisions, they ought to be the most... Tough decisions you make in life when those kind of changes come along. But out of convenience, it's not too difficult, it seems like, today. See, I don't want to get too deep, but listen to this. The family has changed. And I think this is a major issue in America. I debated I could just preach the whole sermon on this. Listen, I was reading, I found this. It says, today, too many Americans, males, spend the first 20 years of their life without a father and the next 15 without a spouse. I did a lot of reading that's not going to get into this sermon today. I was blown away about how the family has changed and single life is so much more and cohabitation is so much more and getting away from the biblical principles of marriage and what we're supposed to be and how that's defined in Genesis. We're getting further and further away from that. And then we're surprised because we're, we're becoming more lawless and more godless in our society. And really, common sense says it shouldn't surprise you. Hmm. And then another one that I've said often is we've divorced the divine. Listen to this. I've already mentioned 50 years is coming, but in two weeks, 60 years, there'll be another anniversary. 
June the 25th, 1962, the Supreme Court said and declared school-sponsored prayers and thus Bible reading to be unconstitutional. Let me ask you a question. How's that working out for us? Proverbs 1-7, you saw it earlier, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. I'm all about education. Leaders are readers. I, I think somebody that's not furthering themselves in whatever, whether they're going to get a degree, whether it's in higher education or whatever, they're backing up. Whether it's in just seeing what's going on around us and educating ourselves, we're backing up. But I'll tell you something, when we begin to educate ourselves outside of the umbrella of the fear of the Almighty, we are in trouble. When man thinks we're on the equal plane with God Almighty, it's not going to end well for us. The more we push away and the more we divorce ourselves from the divine, the more godless we're going to become as a society. And it is happening before our very eyes today. Freedom of religion. <laughs> so many people, that stuff has been so twisted. I've already alluded to it, but freedom of religion doesn't mean what many say today. How you worship years ago before the 60s, I can show you this without any fear. Without any fear, I can show you. The founders did it. Even if they weren't believers in Jesus Christ, they understood. Some of them weren't, or a few weren't. But if they were not, it was founded on the Judeo principles of God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And freedom of religion up until the 60s is not what freedom of religion is today. We began to embrace Eastern religions in the 60s. Then that brought on a whole new panorama. You know, Pandora's box was open on, on what freedom of religion means today. And now you can have every wacko you want to have, and we got to stand back and go, oh, no. There's nothing within us that says, that's not right. Listen, there's some people's religions that are whacked out, folks. Do you hear me? It don't add up. It don't add up. And yet today, oh, no, we can't say anything because of freedom of religion. And I'm just telling you, the context of the Constitution is not what's being portrayed today. We embrace those Eastern religions, and we've been paying a price ever since. The Scripture says in Mark 12, 30 and 31, it says, Love the Lord God with heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is to love your neighbors yourself. I love the last part of verse 31. It says, there is no other commandment greater than what? These. It didn't say loving God. Listen to me, church. You need to hear this. If we think we can love God with everything about us and hold animosity and attitude issues in our heart about someone else, we are fooling ourselves. See, these, these means loving God with everything about you goes together with loving others as yourself. You cannot have one without the other. Amen? Wish I was down on the floor where I could amen it. No greater commandment than these. Mm. And how are they going to hear without a Bible? How are they going to hear without prayers? How are they going to hear in public arenas when it's been taken away? And we've been told to sit down and shut up and we don't have a, we don't have a say. And we become more paganistic every day and we wonder why we look that way. Mm. One said of the end times in Matthew 24 verse 12, because lawlessness will multiply, the love of many will grow cold. And yet today we're trying to gain moral ground and footing in immorality. It's not going to happen. Hmm. Yes, we are free moral beings. And God gave us a choice all the way back to the garden. It's a Genesis issue. He put a tree in the garden and said, don't eat of this tree. In the moment that you do, your eyes will be open. You'll understand good from evil. And we'll have a conscience. And we'll live in the sin like we have ever since. But listen to me very carefully. He made the statement. Today, he put choice before us. We are free moral beings, but if we're going to be what God wants us to be and bring glory and honor to him, we must operate in morality that pleases him. That's two. Got one more. Not only the life and the love, but I, I, this, is, this is really where I want just to stand today and what's going on because it will deal with where we are for sure. And I've entitled it The Lead. Who, who leads 
in our society? Who leads? This is not popular today because of all the things that have gone on. It's not popular today because women have had to take the place that God called the man to. This will not make me popular today. I'm going to offend both genders today. Because God has a place for a man in society, in the church, and for sure in the home. It's broken my heart to see women that have had to be both. Single moms. He didn't, he didn't live up to the vows that he made. He said he loved her, slept with her, baby was conceived, and he was gone. That's one scenario. Couldn't handle the marriage thing over a while. It got too tough, so he hit the bricks. Breaks my heart. But you listen to me very carefully. We have an epidemic going on in our world that I believe a lot of the atrocities, many, many, the vast majority of the atrocities today that are going on, needless and senseless senseless massacres and, and senseless killings that are going on, can be applied to right here. I said, preacher, what in the world are you talking about? You're going to talk about man's responsibility. Let me show you something. Why? I want to ask you a question first. Why are, why are men predominantly doing the killing? You ever thought about that? Since 1966 in America, there's been 196 killings where four people or more were killed. 196. I want to show you a graph today that I found and, uh, on the internet, and it gives credit for it down there so we can get away from any kind of legality of going out on Facebook, hopefully. But I want to I break out some things for you. 196, I, I want to show you something first. The, these little, these, the, there were two here, one here, one here, one here. Five women have been involved in killings. But I want to show you something. I don't know if you can see this. You see right there above 30 in the house and, and, and online. You see right there where the number 30 is for the age of the shooter on the bottom? And if I'm seeing this right, in these killings, these shootings, that, late, that woman right there was the only one that did it by herself. The rest of them had men with them. So it really, when I saw this, I went, wow, because I was already thinking along those lines, it's always, it's always a guy, it's always a man. And I found out, listen to this, 40% of these right, right here, 40% of those were 18 to 29-year-olds. 33% of these massacres were 30 to 45. Uvalde, Texas, that's the one that lately was an 18-year-old. Parkland, Florida was a 19-year-old. Newtown, Connecticut was a 20-year-old. Virginia Tech University was a 23-year-old. And Columbine, back in, I think it was April of 1999, was a 17- and an 18-year-old. Preacher, what are you saying? Could it be, folks, that this whole thing, some of this could be put in, a lot of it could be put in there from the standpoint of male and masculinity issues? I believe the pendulum of sexuality in our, in our country has totally warped and changed. I mean, there's sometimes you turn on the TV and wonder who they are. And yet we applaud it. It's a Genesis issue because it says in Genesis 1 that he created, or it says in Genesis he created male and female. Not a hundred of them. Hmm. It's one. The pendulum is swung. Once it was stay-home moms, and, and now if you have a stay-home mom, it's almost like she's some kind of negative on society. 
And I want to say whether here or out there in Facebook land, that if you are privileged (laughs) to stay at home with your kids because your man is making enough for y'all to live, I want to celebrate you today. Amen? Have I lost you? See, people, I, I don't understand where this is going. I do believe it's this simple, folks. When four out of ten are being born to families and daddies not at the house, to me, that's an epidemic in America. Four out of ten might not mean much to you, but try this alone. How about 400,000 out of a million homes? How about 400,000 ch- children that don't have a daddy at the house? At least one in the home doesn't have a dad. And let me tell you something, just so that you're, before you pass it off on another gender, another race, or another economic status, that's all of it. That's all of us together in America, four out of ten. Not making this stuff up. I'm not adding to it. I'm not making a preacher story. It's fact. And we wonder why individuals who have not had a strong male figure in their life, I read the story, some of these fit. We wonder why these kind of things happen. Let me tell you something, there are some things that God didn't design for Suzanne Frazier to do with her kids. Amen? There's a place for daddy at the house. My kids have never, not in 26 plus years, have they one time said, please don't tell mama. But I don't know how many times they told Suzanne not to tell daddy. And I grew up with two daddies. I grew up from a divorced home. So I can speak to this. But my stepdaddy, somehow or another, he could undo his belt. And he could pull it off with one hand. And he always caught the backside of it with the same hand while he had me by the neck. And he began to put the blessed assurance on me. And what I'm saying, there's something wrong when we're asking mama to do what God called man to do. Amen? There's something wrong in our world when people think they can lay down with her but not stand with her after the baby comes along. There's something wrong with that picture. And we wonder why our world is going to hell in a handbasket. I can tell you why. Because man has not been what he's supposed to be. And I'm showing you that. It's here. And I don't believe this is coincidental at all. At all. And maybe they're even there, but they're deadbeat. They're not involved and they need to be. And I'll tell you this. It's not in my notes. But in Ephesians 4, it says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And I want to encourage every daddy here. I don't know where you are in your journey. You might say, Brother Jay, they're out of the house. I'm not responsible anymore. Yes, you are. Because they're going to call you. You better be prayed up. They're going to ask an opinion. You better be prayed up. If they are in the house, please lead them. Amen. And my heart goes out to any woman that's having to wear the pants that God intended for a man to live, to, 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 lead, to wear. Let me tell you this. But that'd be a great Father's Day sermon, but I tricked you. I gave it to you a week early. <laughs> I believe, and I believe it's not coincidental. I believe the enemy's behind it. But I believe today masculinity has been a target for decades. It's almost like you have to apologize to somebody for being masculine. To establish and to define the place for a man and a woman is viewed as sexist or arrogant or phobic or even unloving. I'll tell you this. Listen to me very carefully. We all have a place. Amen? Mama has a place. The wife has a place. The man has has a place. The husband has a place. The father has a place. And now what do we have? Listen to this now. (laughs) I don't even know how to process some of this stuff. Now... Gender identity is being left to the, to the individual. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If you think you could help me with that, please come see me. Remember me talking about common sense? Common sense. 
Now, I don't want to save myself, get myself in trouble. Most of the kids, I hope, went out June church. Let me tell you something. In the garden, before sin, Adam knew what the woman looked like. And Eve knew what the man looked like. Man's the one that's messed this stuff up. Not God. God made me this way. You know what I call that? Asinine. 